Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. My objective today just to help you and encourage you. Mark chapter 15. We are going to jump in right prior to the scene of the crucifixion of Jesus. The Bible says in verse number 16 of Mark's gospel, and the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. They called together the whole band. They clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. And began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed. They did spit upon him. And bowing their knees, worshipped him. When they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put on his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Look at verse 21 with me. And they compel one, Simon a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. I want to read verse 21 again. They compel one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear or carry His cross. I want to preach today about unexpected crosses. I want to talk about the times in our life, like Simon's, where we found ourselves walking under the weight of an unexpected thing. I want you to see the scene for what it is. We are in the home stretch of the crucifixion scene and Jesus being led down the streets of Jerusalem. He's already endured 39 lashes. He has been beaten beyond recognition. And the human body that God has subjected himself to in the beautiful balance of divinity and humanity, Christ being 100% God, and 100% man. He wasn't 50% man and 50% God. He was 100% God and 100% man, all in the same being. In Christ and his flesh dwelled the fullness of God, Paul teaches us. Yet he was subject to all of the pain and suffering that you and I would endure in our own fleshly body as well. And under such a load of this cross, after so much misuse and treatment, the Bible says that they picked out a man Simon of Cyrene. And on him, they put part of the cross, and he was to carry this burden. I want to say by way of introduction, it is an instruction, it is a necessity, it is a command of Jesus. He said, if you want to be my disciple and you want to follow me, he said, let every man take up his cross, deny himself, and then you can be my disciple disciple. I want to say this, it is a selfless thing to follow Jesus. It is also a priceless thing to follow Jesus. There will not be anything in this world that will ever compare to giving your life to Christ, becoming a Christian, and deciding to turn your, turn your ways from the world and follow him. There's nothing that will ever compare. Nothing will ever measure up or stack against it. And Jesus puts a, a volunteer option on the table. And he says, if you want to follow me, it looks like this. It brings death to yourself. It brings death to your plans. It brings death to all your design, all your dreams, and all your desires. If you want to be my disciple, you've got to learn how to take up a cross, a cross that spells death. And you've got to be willing to follow and walk with me. But may I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, Sometimes, sometimes life gives you something unplanned. 
Sometimes life gives you something unpredicted. Sometimes life gives you something that is completely unavoidable. Life sometimes gives you an unexpected cross. May I submit to you that an unexpected cross is just one of those things that ends up happening to you. Something you never imagined would take place in your life. Something growing up never crossed your mind. Something when you said I do and got married, you never began to account in your mind that this may be a situation you're living with one day. When you found out you were pregnant, you never imagined that one day things could go the way they have gone. When you got involved with church and you gave your life to Christ and you began to surrender your life to God and you became an active part of His ministry, you never imagined that things could unravel and unfold like they did. Sometimes unexpected crosses are the things that just happen to us. I mean, I think if we're honest and we poll the audience, 100% of the people in the room would have to agree with the Rev this morning that we have all had things happen that were unexpected. We all can testify. We know what it's like for life to lay unexpected things on our back, for us to be burdened under the weight of something unplanned and unforecasted and that was unavoidable. We found out we were not exempt from the tests and trials. And there were times we watched other people walk through it. There were times we heard about the awful things that people were enduring. And we heard about the bad news that people were living with. And we sat off to the sidelines and said, man, my heart hurts for them. Can't imagine what that's like. And just as quick as you learn about it, you forget it. And it never crosses your mind that one day, it could happen to you. It never dawns on you that that could be your reality. That you could be the one bearing that unexpected problem or difficulty. As a pastor, I've seen all kind of tragedy and trauma unfold in people's lives. I look around this room even now and I, I know about some of the things that some of you have been through. Think about some of the mess that some of us have had to walk through. Like you don't know what kind of testimony trophies are sitting in these chairs. You don't know what kind of victory stories are seated in this room right now. Like some of y'all are sitting in here and you're looking at the back of somebody's head thinking they got it all together. Thinking that they're like the spiritual elect and spiritual elite and they just come floating in. Like, bless God, Buddha. They th you think that some of these people have just always been this way and always loved Jesus and always been a church-going person and always clapped their hands and always learned how to worship and always knew how to say the right thing. You don't understand. Some of us were in a mess when God found us. Some of us were seeking in a pit of despair and dismay. And had it not been the Lord that was on our side, this poor man cried, and the Lord... Lord delivered him out of all his trouble. I need a witness in this room. If you've ever been through something and you're here, you're here to tell them, tell it, and talk about it. Now, I, 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 I'm looking at the faces of people and I know what they've been through. The divorce that has wreaked havoc on some of these kids. The miscarriages and the babies that have already passed on beyond the veil. The affairs of the infidelity that has ripped hearts from chests. The passing of loved ones that we had to say goodbye to. I've watched it happen. I've watched bad news walk into our living rooms uninvited. I've watched tragedy and trauma strike us at places in our life and we were frozen in time. That's what happens when something tragic, when you go through something traumatic, it freezes you right where you are. And for many of us, for many of us in our adulthood, we went through something traumatic and it knocked us back and we started living in reverse. And we reverted back to a time when we did have peace and comfort. And for many of us, that was when we were not living under the responsibility of adulthood and something tragic or traumatic happened to us and it knocked us back to 13 years. 
We started listening to the same music we used to listen to. We started watching the same old television programs. We started putting ourselves in the same kind of environment that we used to be around. We ended up reigniting relationships with old flames and old people because we were trying to get back to a time in our life where we felt safe. Am I preaching yet in this room? One of our spiritual advisory council members called me this morning, Robert Waters. You know, the guy who's like eight foot tall. He called me this morning. Miss Paulette, her, her, her father. Death knocking at his door. And more than likely, he may, he may check out of this world and check into the next before we're over with this message. In a hospital room. Think about that precious family in Jefferson where I live. How do you process the phone call? It says your kid. And even when they're driving and they're shaving and they start making their own decisions, they're still kids. They can have kids and they will still be your kids. How do you process the weight of something like that? How do you look at somebody in the eye that knows they'll never look in the eye of someone they loved and talked to like tomorrow was just going to be promised and tell them it's going to be all right? That's why sometimes I don't have all the words and I, I don't try to get super spiritual with y'all and say, well, you need to take a big boy pill. Well, what do you do when the whole bottle's empty? So easy to preach a sermon. So hard to live 10 seconds of it. I've got my own share of unexpected crosses I've had to carry. It makes me appreciate the transparency and the honesty that some people in this church have. Because some, some of y'all, some of y'all are so barely saved that you don't even know how to put on a religious front. You don't, you don't even know, know how. Like ha- half of y'all need a hashtag keep it real tattoo somewhere on your body. Y'all don't even know how to front. See, crosses, crosses symbolize suffering and pain. And Romans 8.22 is pretty clear that all of humanity is going to suffer in this life. I, I want you to hear me now. All of humanity, saved and unsaved, believer, non-believer, church, unchurched, you are going to suffer at some point in your life. And I think we need to look at the story of Simon of Cyrene who found himself under the load of an unexpected cross and we need to gain some insight and inspiration as to how one carries this kind of thing in their lifetime. So I came to encourage you and equip you this morning very quickly that every single person in this room, every believer, listen to me, Every child of God, I need everybody that's saved and know it, just wave at me like this. Come on, give me a little Pentecostal wave, a little Pentecostal wave, Pentecostal wave. Every believer in this house can carry their unexpected cross. Oh, can I encourage you for a second? It's not going to be the end of you. It's not going to smother you. It's not going to suffocate you, and it's not going to crush you. Every single one of God's children, sons and daughters, you can carry your unexpected cross, and you can do that by trusting in these reminders from our story about Simon. The first reminder comes from Matthew chapter 27, and I want you to know this. Number one, you were chosen to carry This unexpected cross. I hope y'all are ready to buckle up and go to church with me because I've been ready to preach this thing all week. You were chosen to carry this unexpected cross. This reveals the selection of our God. Matthew said in chapter 27 and verse 32, it says they came out. They found a man of Cyrene 
Simon by name. Him, underline this, him, they compelled to bear his cross. One may look at this story and ask, why Simon? Why him? It almost looks from the narrative of our story that Simon was just randomly picked out of a crowd. I'll take that thought just a little bit further, if you will. I don't believe he was randomly picked out from the crowd, but I believe he was divinely selected by an all-knowing, omniscient God with sovereign foreknowledge. And I believe that Simon was chosen to carry this cross. Let me say this. There is always significance when you are named by the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Whenever God thinks it important enough or valuable enough to the reading audience to name you as a character, that means you need to open your eyes and pay attention because God's about to show you something. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that Simon had an inevitable divine appointment with this cross. Let me say this moreover. You don't always get to make the call on whether or not you're ready for life to lay the unexpected on your back. You don't always have a say, and you don't always get a warning. How many of y'all wish God worked that way? I wish God would give me a heads up. I wish God would give me a disclaimer. I wish God would give me a disclosure. I really wish God would give me a peep on the page of the next chapter where we're going so I could better suit my mentality and my sanity to prepare myself for what I'm about to endure and experience. I need a witness in this room. Uh, you may ask this morning as you are under the load of an unexpected circumstance, and you may ask, why me? Well, I came over here to encourage you and tell you I believe the reason God chose you is because he knew he could trust you with this unexpected burden that you're carrying. I wrote this down. God told me to tell you this. Something can come into your life unexpected, but that doesn't mean it was uninspected. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me back up and do that again. Something can come into your life and it be unexpected. But that doesn't mean that it was uninspected. I said this, God inspected the weight of my cross and he expected me. And he knows what I can handle. He knows what I can tolerate. He knows what I can bear. And he knows what I can carry. You see these steel beams that support this building? They did not pop them out of some mom and pop mold and forging process and throw them up here in this building. These steel beams were inspected by a validated manufacturer. They had all the right parts. They went through the right process. And they were checked off as the right kind of product. Somebody somewhere in a manufacturing distribution plant walked around with a hard hat and a clipboard. And they made sure that these beams would inspect the process and they ensured that these beams could hold up what they needed to hold up. Let me say this to you. There has never been something that walked into your life. Although it was unexpected, it was never uninspected by your God. He don't need a hard hat and he doesn't have a clipboard. But I want to tell you, he knows what you're made of. He knows what you've been through. He knows where you are. He knows who raised you. He knows who loves you. And he knows what's been in your life. So God, with his sovereignty and his divine selection, he has enabled you. He has qualified you. He has assigned you. I'm about to do my own shouting at new grace. He has selected you to bear this burden. Maybe the reality is God has some faith in you. And he knows what you can handle. He knows knows what you can take. Maybe you need to remind yourself like Job, not everything was the devil's idea. Sometimes it was God who said, I bet you, you can't make that one curse me. I bet you, you can't make that one bow. I bet you can't make that one quit. Is there anybody in this room that can help me rejoice over the fact that God saw me and he said, I've got faith. I've got trust that he or she is capable. 
of carrying an unexpected cross. Ah, you're able to bear it. Because secondly, you, you are capable of carrying this unexpected cross. See, being selected by God tells us that we're chosen. But the strength of God shows us that we are capable. If you go over to Luke's gospel in verse 26, it says, as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross. Look at this. I'm about to teach y'all something. That he might bear it after Jesus. Oh, let's go to Greek school for a second. They picked him out, selected him. But then we're about to find out what old Simon's made out of. Because it says he carried it and bore it after Jesus. Despite some historic visual depictions, Simon didn't carry this cross for Jesus. He carried this cross with Jesus. See, when it says he was selected to carry it after means that he got directly and initially behind Jesus. And where Jesus was carrying the front end, Simon was carrying the back end. I wonder, as he carried the back end, and look at the open, bloodied back of his soon-to-be Savior, I wonder if the father said, this is what it looks like to follow my son. This is what it feels like to follow my son. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Contrary to popular depiction, Jesus never left the cross with Simon. I said, Jesus never left the unexpected cross with Simon. Meaning, it started with Jesus. It stayed with Jesus. Y'all ain't hearing me up in here. We're going to start serving double shot espressos on Sunday morning. Handing out monsters and energy drinks at the door. It started with Jesus. Simon stepped in but for a season. Simon stepped in for a moment. What may have seemed like a long time. What actually a very long time. Because it started with Jesus and it ended with Jesus. God brought me over here to tell you, you will never be left alone to bear an unexpected cross. I need some people to help me give God a praise break right there. I said you will never be left alone to bear an unexpected cross. There's never been a day. There's never been a night. There's never been an hour. There's never been a moment of your life where you had to bear the weight of the world by yourself. There's never been a valley you walked through or a mountain you climbed. There's never been a tear you cried or a burden you felt. I need somebody right now to clear off a spot. Get on your feet and help me rejoice if you know that God has been faithful and he kept his word when he said I will never leave you I will never forsake you I will stay with you unto the end he's the author he's the finisher of my faith he's my load bearer he's my heavy load carer he is my all in all somebody give him praise if you know Jesus he will stay with us as we bear our burdens have a seat thank you Give him praise and glory. He's faithful. He's faithful. I think of all the times where I felt like I was by myself and alone. But do you realize as the temple of the Holy Ghost, if God is in you, even if you're by yourself, you could never be alone. Woo! Even after divorce, you're not alone. Even after isolation, you're not alone. 
You might be in a room by yourself, but if you're his, you're still not alone. If you were in rehab by yourself, you were not alone. If you were in jail by yourself, you were not alone. If you were depressed by yourself, you were still not alone. If everybody rejected you and left you and you were by yourself, that means you were still not alone. I just believe. I just believe. Let me see this story for what it is. Well, Simon's standing over here as a bystander. He gets picked out by the Romans. By law and compliance, you do what the Romans tell you to do at this day and age. So he has to help Jesus. And he gets under this cross. And what may not be so heavy at first, y'all know how that goes. It ain't so bad at first, but it's after you've carried it for a week. It's after you've carried it for a few months. It's after you've had to carry that secret or carry that pain or carry that fear a month. I think what started off as Simon helping Jesus I think what started off as Simon helping Jesus ended up being Jesus helping Simon. I'm trying to run well. I need somebody to help me preach this word. <laughs> Mason, where's Mason at? Come here, Mason. Lamar, come on. You sat up. It's like you read my mind. Come on. Come on, come on up here. Simon got into it, and everybody thought that Simon was helping Jesus. But by the time it was over with, I believe it was Jesus helping Simon. All right, guys, I want you to, I want you to pick that pulpit up right there and just hold it. Just pick it up and hold it. It's not that bad, is it? No, no not really. No, not really. You losing your grip? I bet you are. Uh, This isn't so bad right now, but could you imagine having to take this up to that cabin? It'd be a long, be a long walk. I'm with you. It'd be a, it'd be a long walk. And then, and then not only take it up to the cabin, but have to come all the way back down. You, you good? You good? Don't get a hernia now. They, that's, uh, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> hold it up, son. Now, now here's, 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 I'm just trying to make some assessing observations visually. Who's helping who? <laughs> Mason said, I'm helping him. Well, when you're the one with veins popping out of your head, sweat rolling down your forehead, and your calves about to give out and moo, I'm going to tell you something. You ain't the one that's helping him. He's the one helping you. Let me tell you how twisted we got it. Sometimes we think we are so tough, we are so strong, and we are so able that we think we can carry things by ourselves. When the reality is, had it not been God's hand on your life, under your life, you wouldn't have made it two steps with what you were carrying. So I think some of us right now need to remind ourselves that had it not been God's faithfulness, and had it not been by the Lord's strength, not by our might, not by our will. No, no, I didn't tell you to put it down. Keep on holding it, Mason Bowden. Come on, pick that thing up. You need to understand that if you are walking with a person who's bigger than you and stronger than you, it ain't you doing the heavy lifting. It's a God who don't have to pump iron, a God who don't need steroids, a God who didn't join the gym, who's got all power in his hand. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. And he's able to carry what you can't carry. Somebody give him praise in the house. Good job. I think people looked at this and they thought, Simon is bearing a burden with the God of the universe. Are you hearing me? He had it before it got to you. 
And when you let go of it, you'll still be holding on to it. So let me ask you a question. Who is helping who? The strength of God was revealed because God made Simon capable and enabled him. I wrote this down. His strength will always be more than enough in your lowest weakness. And you are only capable because it is his strength in you that allows you to carry what's been put upon your back. I remember it was 20, end of 2020 or 2021. My God, it all runs together. It all runs together. But I remember when I got COVID in both lungs. And what started off as a very severe flu, just the bottom dropped out. I remember going, we went to the hospital and there was so, so many, so much unavailability with, availability with beds. They gave me a steroid shot and sent me home. And the next 24 hours, I continued to nosedive, fever through the roof, could barely move, could barely think, couldn't breathe. I remember going to the hospital. We were driving down 129 that night, leaving Jefferson Head to Athens. Or things were just becoming foggy and hurt to hold my eyes open and I could barely breathe. And as we were pulling into Piedmont, my respiratory, my respiratory system just crashed. Literally, as we're pulling up to the emergency entrance, my respiratory system just crashed. And I found myself gasping for air. They put me in a wheelchair. They wheeled me in. They skipped the checkout process because I was making such a descent. A descent. Ashley was not allowed to even go back with me. They had to turn her away at the door. They rushed me down the hall. I, I, I could barely, I just remember slumped over, trying to breathe, unable to actually inhale. And I had this faint, I have this faint vision in my head as I tell it now, being thrown on this stretcher or bed, them putting oxygen on my face, putting stuff in my arms, and I just laid there depending on this machine to help me breathe. Hours had went by. My phone sat 10 feet away. I couldn't even sit up. My wife had no idea what was going on. She didn't know if I was dead or alive. She's sitting in the parking lot. And that began a downward spiral, not only physically, but emotionally, mentally, psychologically, sitting in that bed, waiting on a room, finally getting in a room, so weak I couldn't sit up to put a sock on or adjust my blanket. I had no appetite. I couldn't eat. I was so weak and so depleted of strength. I remember laying there, and I was fully dependent on oxygen. When I finally could sit up, I couldn't go eight feet to get to the bathroom, and I had to take my oxygen tank. And even having the oxygen tank wasn't enough. And so I just stay in the bed and stay in the bed. Days went by, and I remember laying there so weak and so tired. And you know how it is when you're physically sick, you're physically worn down, that that is when the devil usually tries to slide his foot in that door. Was it not after Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights where his body was depleted that the devil made his way into that wilderness to tempt our Savior with temptation? It's like he sat down on the edge of the bed. He said, you heard what they said about your lungs. That double pneumonia is so bad, you're going to have so much scar tissue, you're not going to be able to inhale. And you've been a preaching machine for the last 20 years. And your evangelistic, revivalistic style of preaching is done. It's gone. You're never going to be able to inhale and exhale and preach your tonsils on the back wall and the Holy Ghost like you used to. You'll never be. You can't even reach your feet or make it to the bathroom. I remember laying there in that bed, and for about a second, for about a second, I was about to entertain that dialogue. I was about to let that record start playing in my mind. It's like by my side, the Holy Ghost sat down, leaned over in my ear, and hit me with that one psalm. Let everything 
that hath breath. Praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath, even if it's assisted. I remember pushing that stuff up in my nose. I said, devil, you should have killed me when you had the chance. I took my hands and I raised them up to the ceiling. I looked beyond the tile. I opened my mouth and I said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He's good. He's faithful. He's gracious. He's merciful. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord hath given and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Somebody give him praise. If you know, he makes you capable. He makes you capable of carrying. Come on, Pastor JJ, help me land the plane. You were chosen to carry this unexpected cross. You are capable. Listen to me, you are capable of carrying this. Because it is his strength that bears the load. And you will be changed. Listen to me, you will be changed by this unexpected cross. Look at Mark. Look at what Mark said originally in verse 21. Can we have it up there? Can we put it up there? Now keep going. Is it what, what is it? It's 21, I believe. Mark 16. There it is. There it is. This is Mark's gospel that we started with. They compelled one Simon. A Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. I want you to understand something. Crosses were curses, despised and unwanted, degrading to the individual and the crucified one. They were curses, but for Simon, I believe this curse became a blessing. Because I believe this curse turned blessing is what God used to change this man's life. See, it changed his proximity with God. This, this man traveled to Jerusalem at the time of the Passover. Listen to this. He was from North Africa. Cyrene was a region of North Africa. He traveled 800 miles to come to Jerusalem for the Passover to try to get to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made a, a journey to know who this God was. And he, along with the crowd and the madness of the crucifixion scene stood on the sidelines of the, of the street spectating what was happening in this processional with these three men bearing these three crosses these Roman soldiers making way a mob behind them screaming crucify him, crucify him and then suddenly a Roman soldier looks at Simon and says you come here help him bear this cross he was just someone on the sidelines but this unexpected cross was God's first step to introducing him to who his son really was and he went from somewhere in North Africa standing on the street side to being under this load with Jesus and I want you to see this scene for what it is. Here's a man who doesn't know this God. But he's made an attempt. Lord, I want to know who you are. So he journeys 800 miles to Jerusalem. And he's just one of the faces in the crowd. And all of a sudden, here comes this unexpected cross into his life. And it becomes the thing that puts him right next to the Son of the living God. And now that he's bearing this unexpected cross, he gets a perspective that nobody else in the crowd gets. He begins to see and experience things that everybody else standing on the street side can't experience. He's under this load so much with Jesus, and they're so close that he can hear him breathing. And every word that he 
whispers and mutters under his breath. Because of this unexpected cross, Simon is so close that he hears everything Jesus says. The crowd just sees Jesus' mouth moving. But Simon is so close. He's so close that he can hear everything he's saying. And the blood splattered all over the body of Christ. They're so close as they carry this thing together that the cleansing, purifying blood of Jesus ends up getting smeared all over Simon. And the unexpected thing that he went through got him so close to Jesus that you couldn't look at Jesus without seeing Simon. And you couldn't look at Simon without seeing Jesus. It became the thing that God used. It became the thing God used to introduce Simon to who he was. And it changed him so much that it didn't just alter his proximity, but I believe that it altered his path. The rest of his life, I believe, was changed. Not just in the moment. I don't believe, hey, hey, I don't believe that he just got some North Georgia religion. I don't believe he got that rendezvous with Jesus type experience. I believe he got a relationship with him. I believe it changed the rest of his life so much that the, the path of his future was dramatically altered. Now, how, how, Pastor Derek, do you know that? Well, have you ever noticed this? There's some people in Scripture that have an encounter with Jesus in the Gospels. And a lot of them, we don't read about them later in the New Testament. And that doesn't mean that they did not continue to serve the Lord. We just don't have any verifiable, verifiable proof that they did. And then there's some people that we see them encounter Jesus prior to the crucifixion and resurrection. And then afterwards, they're still serving the Lord. But what about Simon? Surely this guy who made it all the way to Jerusalem to try to get to know Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai. He, he wants to know who this God is. And little did he know that it would take an unexpected cross to get him closer than ever. And perhaps that would change the rest of his life. Perhaps the divorce would change the rest of his life. Perhaps the affair would change the rest of her life. Perhaps losing the house would change the rest of her life. Perhaps burying that loved one would change the rest of her life. Perhaps what happened would change the rest of their life because it would bring them so close to God that they would never want anything to ever be different. So I decided to look in my Bible. Is there any record of Simon ever again? And I don't, I don't see, I don't see Simon. You know, remember, remember Simon Peter? And after Jesus came into his life and saved him and changed him. He surnamed him, renamed him, nicknamed him Peter. I'm not going to call you Simon anymore. I'm going to call you Peter, which is Petra, which is little pebble. Because I'm going to be the big rock. You're going to be the little rock. We're going to build a church. But I, I got to look in the Bible in Acts chapter 13. When the New Testament eldership of the church at Jerusalem was getting ready to send Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey, there was one of the church elders by name of Simeon. Simeon is just an alternate spelling of the same name, Simon. Oh, it gets better than this. Simon of Cyrene was from North Africa. Completely different demographic, completely different culture, completely different race of people. Simon from North Africa. And in Acts 13, if you look at Simeon, he was also associated with a culture of people who had very, very dark skin. And if you look at this geographical insert from a context of description, 
more than likely, Simeon was Simon. He did not look or appear as anyone else there in the streets of Jerusalem. And it may be that he stood out in such a way they said, hey, you, you pick, you help carry the cross. It altered his life so much that years later, when the church was exploding and they were sending missionaries out to cast demons out of people and perform miracles and preach the gospel, that Simeon was one of the church leaders that laid his hands on Paul, commissioned and ordained him and prayed in the Holy Ghost and sent him. Same dude just changed the way he spelled his name. I said, God, this guy got so changed by one unexpected situation. Years later, he was still the guy hanging around in the early church. But he was also a dad. He had kids. Alexander and Rufus. I said, I wonder if there's any record of this guy's kids anywhere after the fact. And I went to Romans chapter 16 where Paul is writing his letter to the Roman believers and he's wrapping up the letter and he starts doing all his salutes. And in chapter 16, go to Romans 16. I believe it's verse 21. Do we have it on there? Romans 16? That's all right. I got it right here. Romans 16, listen to this, 16, 13, listen to this, Paul writes as he's closing the letter out, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, salute Rufus, who was chosen in the Lord, how was he chosen in the Lord? I believe when Daddy Simon came to worship, he brought his boys with him. And I believe they were standing there on the same corner of the street with Simon. And they watched the horror that unfolded there in the streets of Jerusalem. And they were just little shavers, little crumb wrappers. Didn't know nothing about this God. But they saw the guards called on their dad he had to abandon them on the street side they saw him go under the weight of this bloody timber and walk all the way up this horrid hill at Calvary And when they placed Jesus on the cross Simon got off to the side and huddled with his children and they watched as the nails were driven into his hands and his feet they watched as his beaten, bloodied body was hoisted up and the cross fell into the hole of the ground. And there he cried out forgiveness for the unsaved and gave himself over to the Father as the work was finished. Daddy, who was that man? What happened to him? Why did they kill him? You helped that man. Why did they kill him? He said, son, you don't understand. I wasn't the one helping that man. That man was helping me. And I don't know who he was. But any man that could do that for me. And he looked at me. When he was saying, Father, forgive them. And he was looking at all those people. He looked over at us too. Rufus, he looked over at us too. I think that's the Messiah and that's God's son. Can you imagine three days later when they found out that he rose from the dead? Can you imagine the pandemonium going on in that family when they found out that the very Savior that he helped carry the cross was not dead but was alive and walking around the streets? Can you imagine? Where is he? 
We must follow him. We must devote our lives to him. And those kids watch their daddy give his life over to this one that helped him with this unexpected cross. And years later, they were so altered by what God did in their daddy's life. Your kids aren't paying attention to you in here. Oh, they are. They're watching you. They're watching you when they see you act, talk, and conduct yourself in a way that is completely contrary to the other six days of the week. They're watching that. The real proof in the pudding is not how loud you clap, how loud you shout, or how long you pray. The proof in the pudding is what do my mom and daddy do when they are hit with an unexpected cross? Because that is what shows them who God is. And Rufus was so altered by it that it didn't just change Simon's life, it changed his kid's life. Insomuch that he was noted and validated in the New Testament book of Romans. Has it ever occurred to you the thing you carry may be the means in which God calls one of your kids. If not your kids, someone in your family, someone in your workplace. My kids have watched me and Ashley for over a decade, 15 years or more, walk through unexpected things. Some things we created, some things we didn't. How many of you know sometimes, sometimes there's Jesus storms and sometimes there's Jonah storms? Come on, I need all the folks who could agree with the pastor about being an idiot. Sometimes we find ourselves in a Jonah storm. We're the reason it's raining. Still didn't expect that. You still didn't expect to mess things up, but you did. And now you need to get over being disappointed in yourself. And align yourself with God. Because God's not disappointed in you. God's not disappointed in you. If you can depress God, you can impress God. And you can't do either. Get off the shame train. Pick yourself up and recognize you've got a God who's still by your side. As you're sitting there getting the crap beat out of you, not knowing if you can walk another mile, God is by your side, and he's going to help you till he gets done with what he's doing. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God started this thing, and God's going to finish this thing. And by his strength and his might, you are chosen, you are capable, and you will be changed by this unexpected cross. you got to tell God, I believe that. I believe I was chosen. I believe I can do this, and I believe it's going to change me. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.